listening to Cleveland and Beyond with Andy Bellman and Jared Watson, brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. He's Andy Billman. I'm Jared Watson, and this podcast is brought to you by Waiting for Next Year. Check out original Cleveland sports reporting at waitingfornextyear.com. Also, we are part of Evergreen Podcast. Well, uh, opening day is right around the corner, and um, I know with this beautiful weather that I'm enjoying here in Youngstown, Ohio, it is really bringing on the feelings of wanting to watch some Major League Baseball, want to go and catch a Tribe game. And with us today, Indians beat reporter, MLB.com, Indians.com, Mandy Bell. Thanks for coming on uh, to go through everything Indians, what we can expect in this 2021 season. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about the end, you know, how last season went for you. No fans in the stadium, pumped in sound. Was it, it just was from that to now finally welcoming fans back into the stadium. Mandy, you've had a, a weird time here so let's start with that what was that like um because i do find it kind of interesting and fascinating the behind the scenes the how the sausage is made kind of stories on basically producing the game of baseball uh and how that went down last year no fans yet watching it on television for me it was it was like there was no 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 nothing lost yeah, in person, it was a little bit different. There was definitely <laughs> things lost there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think they did the best that they possibly could with it. I think that, um, you know, the sound being there was it was better than what I thought it would be. But it's hard to say that it didn't get old pretty quickly just because you miss the the actual reactions. You know that one person is controlling the excitement level of the fake crowd rather than um, just having real people back in the stands and having people be genuine in their responses, whether it's negative or positive, because it's not like the guy working the soundboard is going to sit there and have booze coming over the, 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 the loudspeakers or anything like that. Um, so, I mean, I think all of that just makes up the baseball atmosphere. And I think that was very missed, especially whenever um, Jose Ramirez had that huge home run last year oh, that, yeah. that clinched their spot. And I mean, I couldn't imagine that ballpark filled in that moment. Like oh, as yeah. soon as that was hit, that's when I realized like this sucks. Like this, this really needed the stadium to just be shaking right now. That would have been so much fun. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to however many percent they're allowed to have throughout this entire year. I know it's going to start off um, around right around 10,000. And then if that can increase as the vaccinations and things goes on, that would be even better. But I'm just happy to have even one person in the stands at this point. Did the yeah. players, the players felt that way too, I'm guessing the same yeah. exact way you felt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that for the players that, you know, once you get into the game a little bit, you tune it all out because you, you sort of just zone in on what you're doing, but everyone who's talked about it so far, just even through spring training, um, they've all noticed the difference. They noticed that. And you even have guys saying like, I like when people are yelling stuff at me, even if it's yeah. negative, like it's just fun. Um, there's more interaction and, um, it just, it just feels like a regular game again. So yeah, I think that the players feel the same way. So let me ask him, by the way, Susie Bell, I don't know if you're related, but hi, she says hi, whoever that is. That's Damien. my mom. Hi, uh, Susie. See? I knew I was going to say that sounded like a, a mini when I get explanation points, that's a mom. My mom does the same thing. So, Susie, I think that's great that all moms do the multiple explanation points. And hi, Damien. Hi, EJ. So, I hate to do this, but since we're going down memory lane, um, we should remind fans that was an abrupt end with the Yankees. Um, that did not 
that did not go well. And way I feel like, and we'll take it to this year, but starting from there, I thought that started this whole transition. Um, I thought you kind of felt it with Brad Hand blowing the save. Um, sadly, the Shields had a bad moment in the outfield. I remember, remember, I was listening to Tom Hamilton. He goes, and there's the shield sliding across the outfield. And it's like, oh, it just kind of just felt like this is, it's weird. Even at the end of 17, at the end of the other year, it's like, okay, we're still here. This is the first time in the last five, 10 years, I felt like, boy, we're, we've, I mean, Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco are gone. Like there's like Carl Santana's gone. Like there's some major parts, but going from here to there, Mandy, was that the start of this transition? Was that loss? Is that what you really kind of felt like that night, seeing what you came from there and through the offseason? Sure. I mean, I think it's hard not to have a, some sort of a, a transitional phase whenever you're starting to get rid of big guys like that, veteran mm-hmm. guys like that. Um, I, I definitely think it is uh, transitional, but I don't know if it's as m- monumental as maybe it seems. Um Brad Hand being one, obviously he's still been able to figure out a way to get it done. He was great for them last year. And you can say that basically about all the guys who had horrible games during that postseason stretch. Like you have Shane Bieber. It's the same thing. You're like, wow, like I had such a great year. And then except for that last start. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just seems like maybe it's starting to get to the point where it's at the end of Brad Hand. Um, And I think. Same with Carlos Santana. I mean, I know he just hit a home run off of Please Act today in the spring training game, but um, I don't know if, if Carlos Santana will still be prime Carlos Santana. I mean, it was fun to watch him in 2019 and the year that he had, that was a blast, but I don't know if that's going to be something that starts to wear down a little bit with age. And so you start sure. looking at these guys, they're players that fans obviously adore and have loved for a decade now. And that's why it's so difficult, but I don't know if it's going to be as tremendous of a loss. Whenever you start looking at the replacements, um, some for maybe like Carlos Carrasco situation or Carlos Santana situation, I don't know how that'll play out. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Jake Bowers will be the answer there. Um, I don't know if we'll get to Bobby Bradley and maybe he can bring that power that Mm -hmm. might be missing from Santana. Um, I think Logan Allen is trying to show that the rotation is going to be okay. Um, I I just think that maybe, and I think that Jose Ramirez is, if you're going to choose between Lindor and Ramirez, I think keeping Ramirez is going to be, uh, the answer there. I just, I don't know if there's, everything's always Mm -hmm. going to be as, as drastic as it seems. Um, because we saw the last two years, how much the offense even struggled with Lindor there. So I don't, I don't know if there's going to be a tremendous difference or not. Let me ask you, is J Ram ready to take on the leadership role? Because I think that is something that we're all like. I think it's going to be, you know, we, I asked you this at the end of last year, like who's going to be the B who's going to be like the leader. Like is it, and we all kind of said like, I think Francisco Lindor is going to be gone. So like, and by the way, he is now. So is it, is it J Ram? Is it, is it Shane Bieber? I and mean, let me add to that from the outside looking in the haircut and restaurant incident. Don't help as a fan watching that when you do want J Ram to be the leader. Sure. I know. I know it's tough. It's a, it's a tough situation for them to be in, especially when he's trying to step into that role. Um, I do think he is naturally mm-hmm. on the field. Um, I know there was questions of that going into the year, but the Indians have all sort of said, like Tito has talked about it. I think Antonetti even mentioned something about it that they don't, they, I mean, they always say they don't want to anoint somebody a leader. They're not going to say like, okay, you're, you're right, going to do this. Right. But and that's Ho- right. And Jose showed up day one and he was the first one out onto the fields and he was the one leading the stretches and the early morning workouts and he was just naturally stepping into that I think it's going to be a combination of him 
uh, Shane Bieber, and then Roberto Perez mostly mm. because I think Roberto Perez does it so naturally in general. He said when he saw that Lindor was getting traded, he knew that he was going to have a lot more responsibility in the clubhouse. Um, he's already shown everybody that he can do it with just the rotation because he's just incredible for a young and experienced rotation. Um, and I think that he can just allow that to, you know, branch out into everybody in the clubhouse. So I think all those guys would be great. And then in the bullpen, I think it helps to have guys like Oliver Perez and Brian Shaw back there yeah. to have yeah. some, you know, elderly wisdom for the for the young folks on the roster. So I, I think that all can work out OK for leadership perspective. Yeah, Andy and I both were excited to see Perez coming back for that very specific oh, yeah. reason, that leadership um, mm-hmm. and, and having that 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 experienced voice. Um, to uh, to help because we did see uh, last season, um, you know, the youth get kind of bit in the ass a little bit, uh, you know, at times, and 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 Perez will hopefully uh, help quell any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally think that. I think that he'll help with that. I think that he's already sort of started that process. I mean, you talked to Tito about it during spring training, and he was just saying how nice it is to have those types of presence in the bullpen and we talked to both Shaw and Perez about it both and it was funny to hear Oliver talk about it because he was like yeah I know I've been around forever I know this is going to be like you know I mean he's going to be 40 in August but he was like I feel like a rookie coming in here still like he just feels so jovial at heart and he's just he's the best so I think it's uh I think he's a perfect fit for this bullpen. I just need it to be noted for the record that Mandy referred to 40, uh, less than 40 as, uh, as elderly, by the way, in the bullpen. I think I, Hey, in the baseball world, it is. (laughs) (laughs) I only say that because I just turned 40. So it hurt, it hurt a little bit, but that's okay. That's personal. (laughs) I'll get over it. (laughs) I'm sorry. All right. right, Now that we got over that moment from Jared from 41 year old, get, get, get over it. Um, (laughs) There's Andy, Andy's experience. Yeah. We're not, we're not young anymore. (laughs) Those days are long gone. All right. So this, so this team, what has it been like in camp? Mandy, I've always seemed to get a vibe from you. Um, I read Paul Hoynes. Um, I read other people daily just to try to get a vibe. I'll be honest with you. It's been hard to get a vibe. So let me ask you, what's the vibe been like for this team? Like, what is the, what, what, is, what are you getting out of camp so far? I mean, I think this might be the most challenging year for people reading at home to get a vibe because our jobs are so different. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the first spring training that we're not able to be in the clubhouses and we're not able to even see practices. Um, when I was down there, I was down there for three weeks and, um, there's like a little area that you can go over and watch at the, uh, the facility, but you can't get close. And if they're not at the two main fields, you don't see anything. So it's difficult. It's definitely, um, different for us to be able to capture the appropriate vibe just because our jobs are a little bit more limited than what they've had been in the past. Um, so we rely on their moods and the zoom rooms and what we can pick up from there. And, um, I think the biggest vibe that we can get is Fran Mel Reyes. Um, he doesn't hide his personality, his feelings, any of it. And it's a blast to cover. Um, but I think from what he says is the vibe basically in the clubhouse is they all know that they are being counted out. Um, he says that they all, they all read everything. They all see everything on social media. And he said, Lindor said it last year and he did. Lindor said, this is the underdog perception of us was what we had in 2016. And we saw what happened there. Um, and Fran Mill said, I remember him talking about it and I love that. And I sort of take it the same way. Um, so Fran Mill, every single time we talk to him, he always says, just wait guys, we have something special. I'm telling you. So mm-hmm. I think, 
I think that's the vibe. I think they know that they're being counted out. They have really low expectations and they're just trying to prove everybody wrong that um, age isn't going to factor. Um, All right. So let me ask, what is the realistic expectations? Because we're going to get into each position, starting rotation, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I want to give one outside observation to the Indians. If I hear one more goddamn thing about the White Sox, I'm going to vomit. It sounds like they're going to be really good. And and when you hear that and you see that, like, oh, we had to cut guys today who are, who got an OPS of, like, 500. It's like, okay, it's annoying. So, like, you hear that and you see naturally what's going on. As a fan, it's not – it's I don't – look, in fairness, I love – we want that Fran Mill as a fan. We love that Fran Mill. But Fran Mill, to be honest with you, it's okay to say we're the underdogs, well, I think. And I, could I, I just, let, let me piggyback that with you, Andy, because there is there is a feeling that if they can if this rotation can put out can can, can sustain the output that they had last year, and if they can hold teams to two and three runs, great. That's I mean, that does feel like a possibility that this team can do that again this season. But can they score more runs? Because that's what was missing last year, and that's what they will need to do this year if they're going to compete. Or are they still going to be losing? Is Bieber still going to be losing games to one? Mm. Um, are we going to be struggling with that annoyance throughout the season? And that's where we're really going to have to see the changes is with the bats. I, I, if they can sustain pitching, great. And I do think that's possible. But when Franmel says that, it really, it, there's a lot there that's on his hands and on his shoulders. You know, they've got to, they got to swing the bats. Yeah. And I think he knows that um, yeah. he's sort of taken that on and he's addressed it with, even with us, he knows that he had a hot August last year, but mm-hmm. um, July, even though it was only like a week of July, but July and, and September weren't quite the same. So he has said over and over again, I need to be more consistent. I know I need to be more consistent and I can have August like last year, be me in a larger frame. So he knows what he needs to do. It's just whether or not they can actually do it. And I think that Mm -hmm. we can't really predict that because the only thing that we've seen so far is the inconsistencies. In the last few years, the offense has struggled so much. And so you think of losing Lindor, who didn't really factor into the offense tremendously last year. So it's, it's hard to wonder how much of a you know, downgrade that would be. I think Andres Jimenez is a very exciting player and a reason fans should be looking forward to watching the year, yeah. even though it isn't Lindor. I think he he can at least bring some excitement with his potential. Um, but I, I do think that the offense is, again, the biggest question. Can they score? I know the outfield was the biggest thing. And now you're looking at Ben Gamble and Jordan Luplo and Ahmed Rosario. Rosario at least has the bat that they're hoping for. Um, but the defense isn't quite there yet. And so it's going to be hard. So like Eddie Rosario, Fran Mel Reyes, Jose Ramirez, and Josh Naylor, like those guys are going to need to be um, the core of this, this lineup and produce consistently for them to be able to, you know, score more than two or three runs in a game than what they did last year. So should we get excited about Jake Bowers? Should we get excited about Ben Gamble? I've been reading a lot. We know a lot about Jake Bowers. And I, and I put another name in there, like, so center field, first base, is Daniel Johnson going to come up soon? Like, what is the story with Bobby Bradley? 
Like, like I think these are like yeah. Center I think, field like, and first base is where I think most of my yeah. Questions I, I think center field and first base is going to be the question along with who's going to close games. I think those are going to be things you're going to hear a lot from chatterboxes. So yeah. let's start off with center field and first base. What is your opinion? Is this long term? Or is this maybe like, hey, they're starting to see something in Jake Bowers you guys haven't seen, and he's just going to explode. You, you wait. He's going to take off. Uh, I think I think it's tough to say with Jake Bowers right now. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. had, he's had a little bit of an up-and-down camp where you see at least the patience is there. He's had some great ap- plate appearances where he's worked a lot of walks, um, and it seems like he's seeing the ball well. But then he, at the flip side, he hasn't seen consistent results at the plate mm-hmm. um, throughout spring. But if you look at the lineup as a whole, I mean, not many people have been seeing the ball great this spring. You, <laughs> you have Eddie Rosario, who hasn't really hit too much this mm. uh, throughout camp. Like you have those different types of things. So it's so hard in such a small window to determine whether or not this guy is going to be able to break out. Um, I think that the Indians, by making this choice to – hang on to Bowers at least for one more chance, they think that there's at least enough potential there. And I think if you can get him back to what he was in 2018, his numbers with the Rays were great. Um, I remember talking with our Rays reporter at the time, and he said, oh, this guy's great. Uh, Hmm. He can definitely get you a 20-plus homer season. Um, So Hmm. I was like, oh, okay, so this is interesting. And then he fell into no man's land. I don't know if, if trying to balance the outfield messed with him. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he'll be more comfortable being at first base, but he's only 25. Yeah. They don't want to give up on him the same way they don't want to give up on Bobby Bradley just yet. So I think Bowers is going to have a solid two month stretch here to settle in and try to earn his spot because if it's not right away, the Indians always talk about Cleveland in April. So I think that um, they'll give him some time to settle in. And if it doesn't work, then then maybe you start looking down towards Bobby Bradley. But I think Bowers will get a, a decent look at first base. And is that is the interpretation that I'm getting, at least from from some of the quotes that I've read, is that it's easier for them, at least in their minds, to keep Bowers up now and give him that shot now than it would be if they had sent him down and kept Bobby Bradley up. And and that would be it for Bowers if they were to do that now. Is that kind of what they were looking at? Well, yeah, I mean, since he's out of options, it's it's they weren't confident that they would be able to get him back and they're not ready to completely part ways yet. They said um, they've had, they've had some inquiries about him in the past and they were just thinking like, okay, if, if we, if we have to risk the waiver process, we don't know if we would get him back. So I think that um, they just want to get that one last look to make sure that they're not giving up on something too soon. I mean, They've seen guys like Gio Urshela go off and have some success elsewhere. Like there, I mean, there's true. different things That's like true. that. So I don't know if maybe they want to say, okay, one more time, let's take a look and see if he grew from what he had in, you know, at the alternate site in 2020. What What is the status? I know they're neither one playing, but I think both are curious. Zimmer and Mercado. Mm. What is the What's the prognosis on those two, in your opinion? It's tough. I, I mean, I think that it was Oscar Mercado's job to lose. I think it was yep. back to him. Um, I think it was he was going to be the starting center fielder, and that's how they looked at it. They were very confident in what he said at the end of the season last year in their exit interviews, saying, look, this is going to be my mindset. This is going to be my plan. I know what went wrong. I did all of these things. He took so much ownership, and the front office was really pleased with the way that he was um, mm-hmm. addressing it all. And so I think that uh, it, it was really his job. They were confident in it. And he just, he didn't, he still looked just as lost at the plate as he did last year. And that's tough. I, they, they tried. They gave him some extra reps during their off day. They had him playing a B game on their off day to get some more at bats. And he just, 
he couldn't work through it. And I think they just wanted to take the pressure off of him of trying to compete and just mm-hmm. say, look, this isn't working. Let's try to get ahead of it as much as possible. Let's take you out of the race for this so you can just figure out what's wrong. And I think yeah. that they said they already have hitting programs set up. They have different things that they're ready to go to have him try to rediscover that 2019 version of him that got everybody so excited. So I think it might take some time for him. Um, the biggest thing with Bradley Zimmer is that he just needs to figure out ways to be more consistent at the plate. I mean, that's every time we asked about him, Tito would say is the inconsistency is like, mm-hmm. it would be one time where he looks like he has the, the best swing in the world and he'll lace a double. That's a one hopper off the wall or something. And then he's swinging at a ball. That's about, you know, two and a half feet out of the zone or something like that. They, they, those in, inconsistencies just was a red flag for them. And so they just said, go get more reps, take some more time and figure it out. So I, I don't know. I don't know the time period. I don't know how long they're going to give these guys. It's tough to know, especially with all the alternate site stuff still up in the air and unofficial and how that's all going to work for a month. So um, I don't know. But those, those are, they're, they're optimistic at least about them both, but they just need some time. I mean, can, can this team stay afloat while they figure out center field and first base? Because this really does feel like it's going to take them three, if not you know, three, at least three months to figure it out in both of those positions if it's even that soon yeah i think i think it's gonna be determined pretty quickly if they can or not um uh, i think ben gamel was a a pleasant surprise for the team um tito loved him from day one there was something about him tito loved him um they they, the front office loved him because he can play all three he has the versatility he doesn't say anything about it he loves he leans into whatever they throw at him um so he has a great mindset in that regard he's played really solid defense um, and he's had really quality at bats. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that was a pleasant surprise. And if he can do that, his splits are great against uh, righties and lefties as a left-handed hitter. It's not, it's not like it's drastic, but I do think that Jordan Luplo will get most of the starts against left-handed pitching just because we've seen what he can do against lefties. Um, so I, I, I think that the combination of them has a chance of being okay enough that they can just keep staying afloat until – uh, their two, their top two guys figure it out. Um, but I mean, we'll, we'll know pretty quickly if it's gonna, if it's gonna be okay or not. All right. Now to the excitement every day I would read in the morning news, be like, Oh my gosh, Logan Allen's doing really well. Oh my gosh. Look at the excitement about Jimenez. Jimenez exploded. I was told by people from the Mets world that you're gonna love this kid Jimenez. And from day one, you could tell he really wanted it. So let's talk about that. I think, and, and if I'm not mentioning someone else who should be mentioned, who else really stood out? But those two to me, Mandy, every day when I was reading from you or someone else, those names constantly popped up in Indians feed for positivity and excitement. No, I think you nailed the two. Um, Logan Allen just looks like a completely different pitcher this year. It was mm-hmm. really, really cool to see. I mean, it was shocking when we first talked to him and he just casually said that he lost 35 pounds since last year. We we're like, wait, that's that's a really big number. Um, <laughs> and so it was just he's just started talking about that and the dedication he put into it. And then he always refers to it as the, the Indians pitching factory. Um, he stayed yeah. in, in Arizona throughout the whole offseason. Um, so did Bieber for the most part. I mean, coming off of the Cy Young Award and you go straight back out with the young guys who are still trying to prove themselves and get more work in at the facility. I thought that was cool. Um, but I mean, Alan just revamped everything. He just did a revamped everything with the pitching with the coaching staff and uh, they just broke into the analytics, explained it to him, 
and everybody who comes to Cleveland and they talk about it pitching wise, I should say, they all talk about the analytics and how they're doing things differently than any other team that they've been with and mm-hmm. how in depth they are. And um, I mean, it's clearly working. So I guess you should, uh, if you're going to buy into anything, that's, that's a decent idea to buy into. <laughs> and he was just saying, look, if this, this role that I'm on in spring training continues into the regular season, which I think it will, I think it proves that, that this, this process works. Um, and he's really looked fantastic this spring. So um, he worked his way into the number four starting spot. I think it was assumed that it would be Tristan McKenzie and Cal Quantrill. And he was just like, nope, here, here I am for number four, which was, uh, it was fun to watch this spring. And you said Jimenez as well. It's tough to be a part of a blockbuster trade. It's tough to have the pressure of, you know, replacing a superstar as a 22 year old who's completely unproven and nobody knows anything about you. Um, and I think that he took that as maturely as he possibly could. And he said, it's just an honor for me. I'm not pressured by it. I think it's an honor that they wanted me for somebody of that caliber and not just Lindor, but Carlos Carrasco as well. Um, and he was the centerpiece of that trade. He was the one that the Indians really, really wanted. And, uh, and I think that and he really set the tone and he made the best first impression that you possibly could on fans. I think he went, what, it was like seven or eight straight at bats without recording an out. Like it was really fun to watch him start the year um, but it wasn't just his hitting. It was his uh, defense, his arm. All of it seemed really top-notch. And if there was any concern of him maybe starting the year in the minors for service time manipulation or anything, he was just, he just um, proved that he can, can't really be ignored at this point and uh, earn that shortstop spot. So he'll be fun. Um, so when it comes to the closing position and wrapping up these games, uh, it, it looks like that's a rotation of its own at this point. Am I wrong in saying that? In a way, yeah. It's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting because it's not just because James Karinczak had a rocky spring um, as much as it seems like that because he really is struggling with that command a little bit. But Ito uh, mm. said since day one that he wants to be able to turn to his best reliever in the seventh if he has to. If the situation calls for it, and he wants to make sure they're escaping a jam. He wants his best reliever out there, and he doesn't want to have to say, oh, well, let me wait till the ninth. So he's been up in the air about it since day one. So as much as it seems like Karen Chuck just didn't earn the spot yet, I think that this was still on the table, and maybe Karen Chuck's struggles made it easier to lean that way, just to, to split up the workloads and things like that. But um, between Wickren, Classe, and Karinchek, that's if you're going to have to do like a closer by committee type of situation, those are pretty three pretty solid arms. Yeah. Do you think yeah. that takes the pressure off of those guys too? Do they feel relief out of that, or does one of them really want it? Uh, well, I think Wickren is probably the most even keeled person I've ever met in my life, and is just like whatever, I'll do anything, whatever. And you know, you hear guys say that all the time. Whatever the team needs me to do. He's the one who truly means it. Like you, he's just genuinely like, all right. He's clearly a boilermaker. Clearly a boilermaker. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so I think Klasse has been very clear. Karen Check's been very clear. They both want it. They want that job really, really badly. Um, uh, I think Wickren will be fantastic in whatever role he's thrown into. I think those two will still look at it as a, a little bit of a competition. Um and I think that maybe could have played a, a factor for Karen check and in, in his spring of just wanting to prove it so badly. And he said that from day one, when he showed up, like my goal here is to be the closer when we leave. And so 
Um, maybe it takes the pressure off a little bit more, but there's also another side to it of, okay, maybe I didn't win it. Maybe I didn't do enough. Let me show more. Mm. And I don't know if that would be, I don't know if that would be detrimental either. I just want to tell you, Karen, Jack, I still love you and I still believe in you, but let me ask, how was he doing? Because I do read these things. And in your opinion, is he is, I, I'm a big believer in baseball and Mandy. And I, I know he came in two years ago, but this is really a second year. And I think sometimes their second year and pitcher, it's tough. I see McKenzie experiencing some of that, to be honest with you. Is, is Karen check going to be like, I know we're guessing, but Karen, I think Karen check's going to be okay. Is it just working through things or is this more concerning that maybe we are just not realizing yet? No, I don't think it's concerning. I think the way that Tito answers it every time is perfectly is this sort of growing pains, figuring it all out. Um, But the biggest thing is uh, that his stuff looks so good. And that's what Tito always goes back to. And he's like, this guy doesn't even need to command like as much. He just needs to throw some strikes and he's going to be electric. So um, they don't seem to be concerned about it in the slightest. And I don't really think there's a need to, at least at this point, He'll figure it out and it just sure. is going to come with more experience. So I don't think that there's any, you know, warning signs of, uh Oh, like let's get worried. Yeah. I got one more. What do you think of Classe so far from what you've seen? I've not seen him pitch yet. Uh, what do you think of Manuel Classe so far from what you've seen? I mean, he definitely throws the ball hard. I can tell you that. <laughs> I mean, it's been, it's been fun to watch. Um, I think he still is working through some things, especially not playing last year. It takes its toll. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that he'll need a little bit of time to settle in, but I think that he and Karen check back to back, no matter who has the eighth or ninth, and especially with Wickren thrown into the mix, that that's pretty that's a pretty solid back end of the bullpen. I think that those two could be really, really, you know, like a deadly combo together. All right, Mandy, last one for me. Uh, eighty-five wins over under. Oh, that's a really good number. That's a really good number. All right, I'm gonna. I'm going to be the optimist and I'm going to, I'm going to squeak just a smidge over. I don't think it'll be by much, but I'm giving it that 86 to 88 range. Listen, we love a Homer take around we here. We do. We do. We love a Homer take. Right. Don't worry about that. No shame in it. Uh, <laughs> I would love right. nothing more than this team to win 90 right. plus. Right. All right. I got three more. First one is Shane Bieber have a new out pitch. Cause I'm, I was going to ask you about this. I know Shane's been practicing it. He wants to get his innings he wants to get longer innings, which I think is a great thing. I think that's awesome. You can tell Shane's very – a lot of these guys are bright. Shane's very bright. I thought that was – for someone who wants to say, going to say, hey, I need to go longer than five and two-thirds or six, it's like, yeah, he's right. I mean, that, that's a big thing. So how's that development going, Mandy? And do you think he's getting closer? So he talked about that a lot in March, getting a new out pitch so, so his, his outings won't – his outings will be more sustainable innings-wise, and he can go longer in the games. Sure. I'll try to answer this quickly because we're about to get police act on a Zoom call. So, <laughs> um, sorry. Yes. No, you're okay. So uh, I think the biggest thing for him was wanting to get his slider back into like the way it was in 2019. 2019 yep. was that the slider was the reliable go-to pitch. 2020, that curveball exploded and was the best, one of the best pitches that anybody threw in the majors. So he's trying to get back to focusing on that slider. His first few starts, he wanted to zone in and just try to use the slider more get that to be in uncomfortable situations for him to force him to learn how to throw it better again. Um, and if you marry those two, my goodness, I, I didn't know how you could figure out a way to improve on a year like he had last year, but that would be a way to do it. And if he yeah. can, 
if he can have those two with that cutter that he developed last year squeezed in there, I think that would be uh, the way for him to improve. So I think he is a lot more confident in his slider last year, this year than he was last year. Uh, no time for Andy's other two. Uh, opening day, <laughs> opening day, April 1st, uh, the Indians take on, take on the Detroit Tigers in Detroit. Uh, Mandy, enjoy that series. And then back home April 5th, uh, and I believe that's another noon or one o'clock game too uh, to start uh, uh, at home in, in Cleveland. So uh, Mandy Bell, thanks for joining us. As always, a pleasure. And again, congratulations on your recent engagement. Thank you. Uh, we're all excited for you and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Indians beat reporter Mandy Bell. Take care, Mandy. Tell Susie Bell you did a great job. Okay. Um, I think we just did. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Here's some notes. Hi, everybody. Happy Monday. Here's some notes I take out of all these conversations that um, I think Mandy is actually, Mandy usually would bring us down. This time she's pumping us up. Um, I was surprised. I I felt more upbeat than what I thought it was going to be. Um, I think the biggest thing that we all have to rely on as Indians fans is for the first time, this team is transitioning. Um, there's some real transition. Um, I don't think there's going to be a point where it's going to be like all hunky dory and the ball's getting tossed around and we're all loving life. And Hey, it's cool. I think there's going to be some moments where it's like, we really have to see if Jake Bowers in a big spot can get a big hit. And we can see if Karen Shack with the, you know, two men on the ninth can get, get the final out. I think there's going to be a lot of those nail biting moments, Jared. They're going to have to squeeze every bit of juice out of this orange or lemon or whatever you want to call it uh, to get, Mm-hmm. to that number um that i that i threw at mandy of 85 or more um mm-hmm. do i think it's possible i i do i really do and i think it goes right back to what we had brought up earlier what we've talked about in the past and that really does come down to um the consistency of the pitching staff which we do expect to be as good and equally as good as it's been in the past and whether or not we have an offense that we can be proud of um that is consistent um, that will score more than one or two runs a game and that will help pick up those guys like Bieber when they have those outings that are on one, two, three hits, giving up no runs, one run, two runs. Um, you've got to take advantage of that and you've got yeah. to win those games. We are going to drive ourselves crazy if we don't. We're not going to get to 85 wins if we're losing those games, period. No, I, well said. I think the big thing to get out of the Indians world to me you know, we talked about the Twins two years ago, Jared, and we kind of felt it, and then we were right. The Twins won the division. Uh, this is the first time in five, ten years where I felt like, boy, the White Sox sound like, look like, feel like, even with their injury, they had a devastating injury to the um, young outfielder. <clears throat> Sounds like the White Sox are legitimately going to be hard to beat. And I think that's the other thing, too, we got to get our heads around. Like, again, like the Twins, I think we all met 19. We all knew they were better, and they obviously were. They won the division. The White Sox, from everything you hear and everything you come across, they just look like they're going to be monsters. They just really look like they're going to be a very, very hard team to beat. And I think that if it was a normal central year where it's like, okay, everybody's kind of feisty, but everybody's kind of young, I think we'd be a lot more like, okay, I think we can make a run at this. That has, I, I think the White Sox, I hate saying it, I've put a damper because they are so called by most to be the outright no doubt, even with the Twins, even with the Tribe, still with good starting pitching and a, and a bullpen that looks a, like a threat, it's going to be tough. And I think that's the other part that plays in here. The White Sox legitimately, <coughs> on paper and by most experts, are picked to do a chalk walk to yeah. the division. 
Well, and 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 that's the thing, Andy, is that I'm not I'm not walking into this season with any expectations of of getting into the playoffs. Would I love a wild card spot or something like that? Absolutely. Oh, of course. Sign great. up. Well, right? Jared, I would sign up for that now, wouldn't you? Right. Like, would, would, yes, absolutely. Um that would just be fun in itself because I think that what we've what we've come to realize is we are um we are we are not we're watching the development of some really good young players. Um and well, I will say that I am getting antsy. I am getting antsy for the Daniel Johnsons, for the Bobby Bradleys, for, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm ready to see those guys. Um, I know that they want to give, I understand that they want to give Bowers that extra shot. I will direct them to the sunken cost fallacy. And that is, <laughs> that is, you can, you can put a lot of money into something and, uh, and, and, and it, it could, you can keep losing it and uh, you can keep dumping money into it thinking you're going to turn it around at some point. Um, and, and unfortunately a lot of times, you're just going to keep losing your money. Um, wow. I did a terrible way. I did a terrible job of explaining that, but <laughs> just no, go no, no. Well, Google well, it for look. yourself. Meaning, you know, we, I think we know who Jake Bowers is at this point. I would love I to be do. proven wrong. I, 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 look. And the, just... same thing, and the same thing with, with, with Luplo. Uh, and I think center field and first base are really going to be issues with this team. I do also, I, I, I will accept a struggle behind the plate uh, you know with with the at bats from Perez I will accept it's that different I will this accept year. he's got to be will, their leadership yeah I'll yeah, yeah I'll accept yeah. him batting low 200s for his leadership and for that arm behind the plate and for his defense I can accept that but other other bats are going to have to step up and it's really really going to be a hard hole to climb out of if you don't have a bat in in center field and at first base that you can rely on on a regular basis too. well well here's where I will emphasize and this is the first time I felt this way in years. The Indians cannot have the injury bugaboo this year. Oh, they cannot, no. they, they cannot have, oh, man, well, Bieber's out for a month. Or, oh, man, like J-Ram's out for a month. But it's you'll, like, oh, you'll also notice, you know, and I hate to say this, but, you know, the dedication and stuff like that. Some of these guys might want a little break every once in a while, depending on how things go. So let's hope it doesn't turn into one of those things where it's 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 the mood and everything is on the down and out and, and, they, uh, and, and, and the struggles are – are uh, become bigger than than uh, what any of us want to admit as the season goes well, on. Well, so look, let's go through. Boy, I, I just turned into a giant pessimist oh, really yeah. quickly. You, Sorry, you bring ship, Mandy back. Ugh. You ship burger. But here's here, here's a big thing I would say: the starting pitching, even without the sexier names of a Carrasco. Oh, the pitching's going to be fine. Bauer, I think the pitching's going to be fine. And I actually, the only guy we didn't get a chance to talk about, who I'm actually putting on that road of. I'm really curious is Cal Quantrill. I was excited about him. Jared, he did not pitch well right. last year. He has had a crappy spring. And we did I know, bring that up. Yeah. And, and, and we and we trade away Plucko for cash to keep Quantrill around. Cal Quantrill, out of everything I've seen, like I know Karen Check's gonna have his moments and you know everything else. And that's par for the course. Cal Quantrill, I'm holding my breath. I, I don't have much hope there. I really don't. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't have much like faith and hope in that one. And, and and I think, but outside of that, I agree with Mandy. This could Trevor Stefan from, um, or Trevor Steven, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, from the Yankees. He sounds like he's going to be solid. And I love the fact that hiding in the background is Shaw and Oliver Perez. I Any other year, I think it'd be like, oh my gosh, this team needs a Brian Shaw. This team needs an Oliver Perez for their experience. I actually think it's great. And it's not surprising that Brian Shaw had a really strong spring. So I, I think I just think yeah. out there those those pieces me I guess what I'm trying to say is where I think you're alluding to 
I am not really nervous about pitching. I know there'll be moments here and there. Yeah. I think it's pretty stable. Now, again, you said it. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get right to the cutthroat. I think Daniel Johnson should be starting center field. I have no idea why Luplo and Gamble and Rosario, not not, not um, Eddie, but the other uh, Ahmed Rosario starting in center field. But okay, okay. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Fine. We talk about this, right? He's not a center fielder by trade, and they're 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 trying to do that. Ben, ben Gamble, Ben Gamble, and Luplo don't excite you, and that's kind of what you're looking at. And I I think it goes to the bigger thing here of like I. Daniel Johnson really bothers me, Jared, because I think every time he's come up, he's produced. And I just don't get it. I did, I don't get why Daniel Johnson's not playing every day. I'm sorry. I don't get it. I, I don't – again, if you had Naylor, Daniel Johnson, Eddie Rosario, I'm like, that's not a bad outfield. Like, okay, it's not great, but it, it's not it's not terrible. And it's, it. it's – these are names that I feel like had – some of these some of these names, including Bradley Zimmer, are names that I feel like had their shot all the way up until 2019 – and now that we're getting into 2021, I don't know why I'm still hearing their names. Yeah. I, I, okay. Let's go down one road. I think Bradley Zimmer's days are done in Cleveland. I thought they I were done. That, I thought they were done last year well, when I he know. decided he wasn't going to participate in the in the spring ball and, and, and all the, the early stuff. I, I nothing against Zimmer. I would I would actually trade him to try I, I, and restart his career. I really would. I think yeah. it'd be best for him, best for the club. Now, Oscar Mercado's different to me. I really enjoy Oscar Mercado's positivity. Yes. I really enjoy his his mental breath of fresh air. He is one of the few players that goes, I know I stink. I know I have things to work on. I've got to get better. I like the plan for Oscar Mercado. I like it. Go to AAA. Let's figure this out. Let's see if you can get this done. It doesn't mean it's going to work out, by the way. But I like the plan in place. Zimmer... I don't think Zimmer's – I think Zimmer needs to move on. I really would. I would move on from Zimmer. I, I really would. Even with him not being on the roster, I would move on from him. I think it would be best for him. Mercado going to AAA, I'd like to see a little bit more of. The only thing, Jared, that also – that we'll get into in a different podcast, this is the first year in a long time I'm going to be reading AAA and AA things, Michael. Who's the next outfielder coming up? Who's the next, who's the next guy coming up that I don't know about yet? Like, who's the next guy who I, I'm ready to read about that's going to be really exciting to me? Because I'm ready to read about it. Because to what Jared's saying, the Oscar Mercados and, you know, I, I like to hear someone big and new and fresh outside of Daniel Johnson. I love Daniel Johnson. He should be starting center field. Yeah. But Eddie Rosario's not going to be here next year. So yeah. who's plugging in that hole? Like, that, that's where I'm going next. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, again, there's – I don't know how to feel. Well, the, I, I mean, that's the, that's the, I, I don't know how to feel out. There's things that I'm looking forward to. There's things that I think I know. I, I hate, I hate feeling like that. Like I know better than coaches do and stuff well, like that. Let's, but let's, let's do one more. Some things we feel that way. No, no. Look, I'm, re- I'm ready, for, ready for this. Nice man, Jake Bowers. I, I'm going to be cheering for you hard. Really hard. Nice. I really want this work out. Yeah. I don't think there's any fucking chance it's going to work out. Right. Yeah. None. But that's what I mean. I don't understand. Yeah. There's a, there's, a, I mean, at some point you got to realize you're trying to force something. I, I, I'm surprised. I mean, I, I guess, I, it, I, Andy, I guess if, if the answer is of all seasons to do it, this is the season to give an extra chance. I, that's but I don't know doing. what that, but I don't know what that does for fans and for the well, future well, of the team. 
Well, here's the thing. Bowers and Bobby Bradley is more debatable because Bradley has not come up and I think Daniel Johnson's come up and hit in the yeah, you're leagues. right. I know. I so, understand so, so that. Daniel Johnson, I've seen stuff where it's like I don't. That's why Daniel Johnson floors me. It's like I don't get it. You, you I, I just don't get it. I, I see him performing. I saw him play last year where he hit. I want to see him play more. Bobby Bradley, like he went through a struggle, so I get it. So you want to give Bowers one more chance, even though Bobby Bradley had a great spring and looked good and felt good. You want to give him one more chance? Cool. Jared, I, I that that position worries me now. Here's one. So that's that's first base. We'll get to it. I wish Bowers the best. Now, here's the other one. I love the energy of Framil Reyes. You can feel it on this team. I love the energy of J-Ram. I think you're going to feel that more. I really do. I think you're going to feel that more this year. I really do like the Josh Naylor experience. I really do. I like his energy. I like this whole Naylor brotherhood thing with Bo. I like all that. Like, that's the kind of stuff where – that is where I will get excited. Like yeah. I think Josh, I don't know why. I think Josh Naylor is going to play better than I just think he's going to play above his head. Oh, I like I said, good. I feel like I feel like by the end of the season, he's going to be the guy. Yeah, I do too. I really I do. do. He do just too. has. He's got a little. He's got that it factor. Vibe. Yep. He's got he's that vibe. And I hope that I hope that that's something that other guys can rally around and 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 yeah. you know that 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 elevates other players as well. Yep. Um, and, and that, and that's how it should be. And that's exactly what we're looking for. When we talk about, you know, Tito, not wanting to anoint a, a leader in the clubhouse and, and putting that on, you know, Jose and, and letting it happen, you know, organically. I think that that's how that works. And I do. And I think that that's how that, I think that's how it goes to Naylor. I think that's by yeah. the end of the season, you're going to see that's how it's going to work. Hopefully. Fran Mill and I think Fran Mill and Naylor are going to be two big names. And I think here's a couple right. other ones. Um, all over what she said about the young um, Logan Allen. I'm very excited about him, the lefty starter. I think he's going to be very, very good. I think Savali's going to have a bounce back here. Here's one more. Nolan Jones is the name we keep hearing. I read more. That's the, that's the one AAA name we hear a lot, right? We're going to be hearing his name. They're trying to find a position for him. Um, I, I think you're going to see him come up at some points. That's another name. One more pitcher who used to be an outfielder, who I'm very excited about, who I get why they're doing it, is Anthony Ghost. I do think at some point you're going to see that kid up here coming out of the bullpen. And Anthony Ghost is a lefty who throws 100 miles per hour. Right. They're, right. They're, they're, we talked about this last year that he was that 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 it was this surprise kid yeah. out of nowhere. He's gonna be good. He, he, uh, I, think he, I think he's gonna be good. That'll be fun. Um, I mean, Nolan Allen's 22 years old, so yeah. If they can, I mean, we're gonna you? see. It's gonna be the first time. On Cleveland Beyond Weekly Podcast, we do what's going on in a week, the review of the Indians, and who are we hearing about? Because that's going to be a bigger part of the season initially. It's like, how's it going on the field, and what's going on in Columbus? What's going on in Akron? What's going on in the developments as the team's going on? It's going to be part of the year. I'll, I'll hook it back on one – well, let's do one more thing. If I were the Indians, I would trust in Karen check. I obviously have a love affair with the man. All that to be said, my bromance with him put aside – I do think they need to give him a fair chance through April, even when he blows saves. If he does, give him the ball. Let's see if he can do this. Because when he's on, my God, that stuff's electric. However, however, I know Klasse's right there. I agree with what Mandy said, and I'll heighten it. You know, Klasse, Wickren, Karinczak, they don't jump off to major league uh, pages, but they do to us. These guys are very good young arms who can really throw hard. Well, Karen Chuck 
his issues, at least to me, that I saw when they would pop up last season were, were his composure. And it did it, it would come out in his um in his delivery and in his he, he looked very impatient at times. Um and he looked a little more amped up than he needed to be, which I think would affect his control. Um I say that as a guy who pitched for for you know a, a good portion of my ball playing days. Um, and you saw it out of him. You saw him, you yeah. saw him when he would slap the ball in his in his glove or throw it. I mean, he yeah. looked like he like you wanted to just say, Hey, breathe a little bit, breathe yeah. a little bit. And if if Karen Check can 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 reel that in, then he'll be fine. He'll yeah, be I, fine I, because he's got he's got everything needed outside of that. I just think to what Jared's saying, give this time even when it goes bad. Ride this out this year. You gotta ride this out. You gotta ride this out. All right. What is the Jared Watson reasonable expectations train for the 2021 tribe? Um, oh boy. I, honestly, I, I'm I'm not as optimistic as Mandy was. I would love nothing more than them to win a game or two more than that 85 <laughs> that I threw out there. Um, I think they're about a, a, a mid to high 70s to an 81 team. I think that's what we're looking at. I, I said this on the Instagram show. We'll be on all year. Jared and I and Holly will be popping in and out throughout every game. I think 76 and 86 is right there. Yeah. I think they're, I think the Indians, I am preparing myself. I think April is going to be rough. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm proven wrong. This team never gets out of the blocks fast. Never. Um I don't know why that would change. That would be, by the way, that I mean, would be new surprising. look. It's it's an, I mean, it's a new look team. So I, I think it's a, that's it. Look, the only reason and, I bring this up, it is very important for this team. If they want big hopes. You got to get out of the box. Well, and you like, know how yeah. I feel about spring training. It don't mean shit to me. No one cares. And the spring training for the Indians was a boring, boring snooze fest. But all that to be said, it starts on Thursday. I just think this is the year of transition. It's all about 22 and 23 for this team. Yeah. It feels that way, so we got to be realistic and it feels that way. However, what is the aura of the team? Again, around it is you have Shane Bieber, the AL Cy Young Award winner. The guy finished second in the AL MVP, who didn't finish like far out, almost won MVP. And you got this factor of the White Sox being very, very good. Those things kind of play into this year and give you some hope and some like, ugh. It's it, those are the things that really play into this year for me. If you really want hope, forgetting all the young talent and stuff we just said, you still got Shane Bieber and you still got Jay Ram. That gives everyone a lot of hope this year to win big things. How good are the White Sox is what to me cuts the mustard. I do think they're legitimately good, even with the big injury they had in the outfielder. I, I do think the White Sox are that good. I hope I'm wrong, but that's why I'm more like 76 and 86. Even Mill, Naylor, Ramirez. And if you can get another couple of bats, there's potential there. There's potential there for this season. They're not, they're, they're not far off. All right. That's the Indians. We'll be here all year. Goes on every Instagram show starting on Thursday. At official Cleveland sports is the site at official Cleveland sports. That's the handle there on Instagram. So go ahead and jump on there. If you're not following already 150,000 plus audience on that uh, wonderful uh, Instagram wow. page. A lot of stuff going on in the next few months, especially in the fall. So everybody stay tuned, especially with the draft coming up. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll hit three or four topics we should hit quickly. That's not Indian stuff. Yep. Um, the Cavs had a terrible loss on Saturday night. Um, Christian Leitner type stuff with Harrison Barnes at the buzzer. 
I have no idea why no one was guarding the inbounds guy passing the ball in. I screamed about it on the Instagram show. Yeah. You're, I mean, have you not watched Leitner and the Duke play? I mean, why you would not? I mean, it was Cavs had a brain fart. Actually, up by a point with point one with one point six seconds. You don't guard the guy throwing the ball in. And what happens? Give him a clear lane. He catches Barnes catches the ball. <clears throat> Miracle turnaround, bang shot. The bigger story is Drummond leaving town. I know. I just want to mention that that was a terrible. That okay. Reason why I want to hammer that. That was the first I thought bad loss on JB Bickerstaff. You have got to get your. They had a long timeout in between that trying to get the clock right. You had a long time to get your prepared team. You actually had a curl in the game, but they had to sub them back out because it wasn't a natural timeout. And you got to tell your team, hey, who's guarding a guy throwing the ball in? And the Cavs just lost sight of that. I love Bickerstaff. It's not a fireball offense. No one's saying no, that. No. But that's on Bickerstaff. You got to get your team in place. Yeah. In big spots. And that so disappointed me, Jared. I, I that was a bad loss in a season that isn't going well, but that sticks out. Andy, that it's loss. a mic that 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 loss in that even in that moment, that's a microcosm of the season and of the team. Um, yeah, I mean, and by the way, how how good is Andre Drummond? He's going to the Lakers. So can we get off that topic? He stinks. Clearly, he doesn't stink. The Lakers couldn't. No, he doesn't off. stink. And you knew that this was going to happen. We knew how this was going to happen. And the bummer of it was, even when I even so when I retweeted his his message when he, when he left that photo of him sitting with his head down, he tweet. I just said, "Wow," because I because I knew he didn't want it to end that way. And I had a buddy that said. What, what, what are you wowing? You knew this was going to happen. I'm like, no, no, no. It's not about that he's leaving. It's about look at the message that this is sending. Look at what he's saying right now. Look at how he's putting this out there. It's just, it was just depressing all around. Just depressing. Frustrating. For a season that's not going well, this week stuck out to me. It was frustrating. Even yes. a week when you, you won in Chicago. That yes. was a frustrating. Yes. If they play the Jazz on Monday night, they have they have a week where they're kind of easing up a little bit, but I hate to say this is like we all love the Cavs. The Cavs are really going to go into back, back, back pages. Um, not that they only were fighting for, but now the Indian season started, and now the warmer weather. And, Andy needs a break from having these. these no, uh, these, we're almost these done. Post game. Hey, we're almost shows done. Where people want them to talk about the Browns instead. <laughs> the other funny thing is, there's a devoted twelve Cavs no fans. I drink it all. There, there's a devoted twelve fans who always love talking about the Cavs, and I'll be there with you. Yeah. All right, so that's the that, that's the Cavs. Um, there's nothing new on Clowney. The Browns news has finally subsided. I think you'll see a couple signings. Obviously, Clowney will go somewhere. Um, the new uh, the new wild draft rumor, which I love, is Rondell Moore, the ex Boilermaker, being drafted in the middle rounds, going to the Browns as a special teamist. That actually makes a lot of sense. I would love to see that. Be fun. Really, be there's fun. only some. I mean, at this point, you're just kind of stacking the deck. Rondell Moore would be a great ad. Yeah. Third third rounder, that kid's fast. Ask Ohio State fans. Am I right? Mm. Kid, kid, kid's got a motor. Kids, kids got a motor. Um, that would be a great, great pickup for the Browns. Look, the clowning situation, uh, not only has Clowney not had any rumors in Cleveland, he's not had any rumors, period. Which so is there's fine. no there's no news about clowning. So and well, even if he doesn't sign with Cleveland, we're okay. No big deal. No big deal. The tournament to me has gotten to this point where it's actually gotten very good. Um, the games this weekend were good, okay. Uh, Alabama, UCLA was wonderful. Um, the Michigan waving the Big Ten flag is good to see, in my opinion. Um, the tournament, I think the tournament's going to start becoming, if they win as Gonzaga, 
Gonzaga is undefeated. They have a legitimate threat with USC. USC can win that game. I think that's going to be the big game. Uh, yeah, kudos to the – My wife just brought me a new glass of water. She saw that my yeah. – uh, Parch. My bougie, my, my bougie water was out. My yeah. fizzy water. Yeah, my, I my enjoy. I've been really enjoying the tournament though, Jared. Yeah. Um. I. 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 I can't wait for these next Elite Eight games. Old Southwest Conference matchup: Arkansas Baylor. Love it. Michigan UCLA. I think is going to be great. And I'm. I'm just. I love these games. These feel like for a tournament that's been upset. City, Gonzaga USC. Big game. Feels like a big game. Michigan UCLA, big game. Feels like a big game. Arkansas Baylor. I mean, these are good basketball games. It should be an excellent night going to the Final Four and when we come back on national championship game time. It should be yeah. it should be fun. I mean, maybe I'll watch. Oh, come on. You'll watch. I think I probably will. You'll watch. What else? Um felt bad for Stipe. Um, it happens in boxing. He, uh, yeah, and I saw a lot of folks didn't like the uh, the hammer fist at the end after he was knocked out. Um, some folks got angry at that, but, you know, you're in that octagon. That's that's how it goes. And everyone knows everyone who everyone who knows Stipe, everyone who knows that man knows he's going to get right back up and, oh, he'll and be fine. get ready to do it again. Yep, he'll be, he'll be fine. Yeah, it I was just, a bummer. There was also uh, one other. There was an interview today on uh, on KNR. We won't talk about that. I just wanted to say it and uh, specifically say it so that we can let you know that we are aware of it and we don't care. Remember Pearl Jam wrote that song. Remember Pearl Jam. Remember Pearl Jam wrote that song, Rearview Mirror. I got an opinion on this. I, oh boy! I I I. No, we are going to talk about it. I am. Oh no, boy, I, we are going to talk am, about it. I am. So look. Well, he responded to me. He responded to me when I said we got to wait for the book. By the way, if you if you live in a closet or in a cave, talking about Hugh Jackson, and he was he was he was bitching about something. I am surprised because this none of it today was new to me. No, what I heard was stuff I heard before from him. I don't know, like, and by the way, it's an entertaining interview. It was a very good interview. Entertainment factor was entertaining. Did Rizzo was, sound annoyed with him at one point? I think yes. I heard him. Oh yes. At him. It was a zippy interview. Like it was zippy, zippy interview. And I give, I thought Rizzo did a great job. He always does, but he did a great job with you. So he kept saying like, he, he put him on the button, which I was, I, I love that. Look, I, I just think the Hugh Jackson stuff, I, I'm not going to get too much further into it. It's all old. It came up last year in these interviews. And it by the way, like the man makes accusations and insinuations without any real, like it's just world word salad. That's all he is, is word salad. Who coached that team? Was it exactly? Hugh? Who, wanted, who who wanted RG three? Hugh. Who wanted Kaiser? Hugh. Who wanted Cal? Hugh sat up there. We talked about that. Hugh sat up there and was like hand in hand. Look, Hugh was a big part of this. It's not all Hugh Jackson's fault. Sashi Brown, take a bow. We all know that. But but to say that Hugh had no. And I that mean, he didn't know, and that oh, he had signed the con. Like this stuff is just so dumb, and it's and I don't even care. But here by the way, by, by, by way, you, you did have a chance because the organization believed you should get one when Dorsey took over with the next year after the Mayfield draft, and you still couldn't do it, and it got worse. It got progressively worse, and sometimes and look, life, and look what happened. Yeah, and look what happened right after all that. After look a, what happened. Look, look what happened right after all that. Uh, Freddie Kitchen's toilet flush, and we're here. And it's great. 
And great look. The man lacks uh, self-awareness. He's got he's got an ego. He's got an oh, ego um, and he's got no self-awareness. And you combine it, those two things and it's like uh it, it's just a it's a it's a bad combination. Here's my one point that's neutral. I I don't blame Hugh because Hugh has to do this, and that's where I'll leave it. I think Hugh Jackson's trying to do this because he's trying to revive his career and he's trying to sell books. So I don't blame Hugh Jackson for doing the interview. I don't blame Hugh Jackson for saying what he has to say because he's going out there, he's trying to sell books and he's trying to get his reputation to what he's going to do. So I don't think Hugh Jackson's doing anything that's bad or incorrect or whatever else. He has every right to do what he has to do. But he also, we also have every right to do it on this platform and the other platform. Say, so I don't think Hugh Jackson's right. So I don't begrudge Hugh. I don't dislike Hugh. That's the one thing I came with today. I'm like, I don't even dislike him. I totally get it. Totally get it. Do your thing. I get it. But it's enough. You're a part of it. You're a main reason why we stunk. Take care. He won't, though. No, That's... no. He, he's not going to stop. And I don't think he ha- doesn't have a choice now. Like he, he feels like he well, has if he thinks that this is going to get himself back into the NFL, it's not. Well, that's where. Well, that's now. That's different. Well, that's what he's. I mean, clearly, that's where he thinks he's trying to go. Although he did kind of blame the shield, and who does the shield protect? Protect, yeah, not the players, not the coaches. Yeah, I mean, it was. It, it felt kind of conspiratorial. Claiming oh, he had that, a lot of conspiracy theories. Claiming that it was the NFL that basically wanted to see if analytics works and use it through Cleveland. If that, am I getting that? Insane? Like, I didn't listen to the whole thing, obviously. Hugh Jackson <laughs> is at a point where he feels like he's being titled. What's funny to me is Tashi Brown gets just as much pulled under as he does. Yes. But yeah, for some reason, he only hears his name. And because of that, he wants to save face and cut and do things, which I, again, I get. I understand you don't have a choice, but all of it, but some of it, what he's saying today is like, well, that's not true. I mean, we talked about that. You did bring an RG three. You really supported Corey Coleman. He stunk. It's like, you know, oh, there's that was things, it. yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's some, there's some things here that didn't go well, bub. And so like, you know, and, and again, like he can't say he's clear boy. We all know that. Look, I don't, again, I don't, I, I'm not angry. I'm not. Oh, angry and and the fit about AJ McCarron, that one too. That was. Funny. Oh, whatever. And by the way, that was. Why is he even? See, that's well, but this is my one. point. This is my point. This, this is, is where, as a human being, not even as a coach, but as somebody who has, who has, who has fell on their face and whatever it is it is that they have done in their lives. In in the profession that they love, whatever I've done it. It's happened to me. Can you imagine? <laughs> You get up, you suck it up, you you take your losses, you accept responsibility, and you, move, you on. move on. This man wants to watch the tape again. Could have done a couple more things, Jared. Thanks. I don't want to watch the tape anymore. No, the you Browns made the playoffs last year, and they're gonna win the Super Bowl this year. I don't fucking care, Hugh. You're gone. It's over. If you learn, it makes the interview go easier because we know the Browns are so good. So uh, here's where I'll leave it. It's entertaining. I would go listen to the land on the man. I think it's entertaining, but do we agree with it? No, of course not. It's much easier to listen to Hugh now knowing that we're so good. That's my biggest takeaway. Well, I said the Browns were about it and we just gave like 20 minutes to it. <laughs> it was entertaining. Ah. It's a very entertaining interview. I'm sure it was. Well, um, you know what? <clears throat> um, I'll wrap it back to the tribe that I'm good. Biggest thing for the tribe this year is rely on your starting pitching. You have your leaders of Bieber. You have your leaders of J-Ram. That's the key thing. 
transitional year, I think don't shoot for the moon. Nothing above 90 wins. If the tribe gets above 90 wins, it means this team has really pulled out the aces. I think you're looking at, you know, mid 80s at the best, the low being low 70s. I think you're in that range for sure. I just think it'll be great to having baseball back. And I think the thing you got to get used to this year is reading the box scores, listening to games, watching every pitch, going to official Cleveland sports after every game, listening to us talk, but also getting into what's going on in Columbus, what's going on in Akron, what's going on in the minor league system. That's going to play a big role into where the Indians are going. Not so much progressive field and, you know, the corner. It's going to also be going on what's going on in these in Columbus and Akron too. It's going to be a big story this year for the team. And we'll do our best to keep up with it and talk about it on the podcast once. <laughs> Damon, Damon wants to know, do the Cavs win tonight? No. Damon on Facebook. I am very, very worried about these injuries, Damon. I'll be talking about them more. Um, the Cavs are – I hope Jared Allen, he got a concussion in L.A. I hope he's feeling better. Um, the Cavs are really – here's my one big positive, then i let you do the wrap-up rollout. I love Larry Nance, and I thought Larry Nance's performance on Saturday was gutty. He is absolutely a trooper. Well, Guy played unbelievable on Saturday night. Unreal. He is – we cannot trade him. That is the one. Oh, man, he's Mr. Cleveland for whatever he does with his companies and wearing T-shirts. Yes. Uh, I mean, it just it is just wonderful. Damien on Facebook again, don't worry. I'm just here just doing my mulch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good, I was just talking man. about doing mulch the other day. Good, 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 man. I'll see, I'll see you on later tonight. If you're listening live, it's Cavs and Jazz tonight at 9 o'clock. I'll be on afterwards. Probably just as the Arkansas-Baylor game traffic <laughs> up to this little double dip there. Uh, don't forget to uh, check out the website, clevelandbeyond.net. You can uh, listen to all the podcasts there or read our bios and check us out. Shoot us an email, whatever. Shoot us a message. On Twitter, at CLE and beyond, at CLE and beyond. Email Andy and Jared at gmail.com, J-A-R-I-D. And on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Cleveland and beyond. We got a YouTube page, too. We're broadcasting live there. YouTube, uh, just search Cleveland and beyond, and you'll find us. I don't think it's a, I don't think we have like a direct link or anything there. Um, Son of a gun, I had a couple other things. Okay, I do have it in my head here. Uh uh, waiting for next year check them out original cleveland sports reporting at waiting for next year.com and we are also a part of evergreen podcast i want to give a shout out ricky smith out of nowhere today andy i was out at the ross uh ross park mall out in wexford cranberry area in towards pittsburgh and i was in lululemon because the wife needed a few things and i see this guy wearing a, a block c hat and a random acts of kindness everywhere shirt and i was like there's no way that's Ricky. What the fuck? What is Ricky doing? Sure enough, are you Ricky? Because you know everyone's got their masks on. Sure. It was Ricky. No, oh, it's awesome. Talked to Ricky for like 30 minutes with him and his wonderful girlfriend, awesome. my wife and I. Solid guy. You know, we we know each other through social media. I've never met him in person, um, but love Ricky Smith. For anyone who loves Cleveland sports, who knows anything about Cleveland, obviously he's he's a guy that everyone knows and loves in the Cleveland area. He does. So much good work for not only the Cleveland area, but for other big cities and inner cities and uh, just places across the country. The Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere um, nonprofit is his deal. Um, he's got a, a, a golf outing in Cleveland in August that you can shoot him a message on Twitter and get more information on that. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was really cool. It was really cool to, to see a guy that you, you, you talk to on Twitter and then run into him randomly. Outside of Pittsburgh, of all places. So 
Hmm. Uh, anything else, Andy? NFL draft. Stay tuned. Jared and I and Holly will all be there live in some sort of capacity. We're figuring out what that's going to be. We're going to do a show live on Thursday night, probably about an hour before the Browns pick. So that's about right. There's no real buildup to what this draft is. It's more about the night itself. So I think Jared and I and Holly will pop in probably as the ceremonies kicks off or pregame. Then as the Browns get closer, we'll do another kick in post-mortem, maybe kick in one more time. And then we're going to do a Friday from some location, not sure yet. We're going to do some stuff probably from the Tremont areas. That's where Jared and I are staying. Maybe it's a Fahrenheit. Maybe we'll do somewhere at a tree bar, do something cool and fun. So stay tuned for that stuff. And again, for everybody out there, I think this year, just for the Indians, the biggest thing is you have good things. You're going to see some new – so long time since we talked about this. New faces and what's going on in the minor leagues, I think, is a big part of this year. What's going on in the minors, I think, will dictate a lot. I hope I'm wrong, and maybe this team wins 90-plus games or we get excitable. To be fair, I think it's more like let's see – how the minor league system's doing. Let's see how these players develop going into 2022 and 2023. I think it's going to be a big part of the year. Yep. I really do. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm leaving this podcast the same way I came into it. I don't know. <laughs> That's how I feel. I don't know. Uh, I, I think, think I'm, most of you do. I don't yeah, know. I, 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 think, I think I do know. I think it's right around 500 below, yeah. but there's some promising nuggets within the club. The yeah. only thing... The only thing is not so much the Indians, it's the White Sox. The White Sox is good as what people are projecting. That, 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 that's concerning. All right, folks. Uh, talk again soon. Enjoy your day or your evening whenever you choose to listen. Mulching. To Mulching, Damien. <laughs> See you in the podcast, lover. Take care, folks. Talk again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, Mandy Bell. Great job today, Mandy. Thank you, Mandy. Always love having you. Thanks. Go Tribe. Excited about the year. I'm getting there. I'm excited. I'm getting there. Can't wait. Cleveland and Beyond with Andy and Jared is a part of Evergreen Podcast. You can follow them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Cleveland and Beyond, on Twitter at CLE and Beyond, or shoot them an email at andyandjared at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit the website, clevelandandbeyond.net. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with breslow the business of sports betting podcast